This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Otago Access Radio, in partnership with Otago Polytech, brings you Blowing Bubbles. Blowing Bubbles brings you positive conversations with people in their bubbles around the world. How are people living their bubble lives? Working from home, keeping kids entertained, and staying connected and getting exercise. And how are these things presenting us with the opportunities to find new ways of living? Every weekday, the Sustainable Lens team of Samuel Mann, Shan Gallagher and Mara Karatai reach out from their bubbles to chat with interesting and positive people around the world. Broadcast on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz and sustainablelens.org. Bringing connection, joy, kindness and peace in the days ahead. Welcome to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. I'm Samuel Mann in Sawyers Bay, Dunedin, and I am joined from Fakatani by Mawera Karatai. Kia ora, Mawera. Kia ora, Sam. How's it going? It's going very well. Is it hot enough for you? Uh, 30 degrees is sort of about my maximum, and we've got that, and apparently it's going to get worse. So <laughs> I may need a swimming pool by this time next year. <laughs> you could go down to the river. Yeah, I could go down to the river with all those children and now I'll just get a pool, <laughs> a para pool, a paddling pool. Actually, that's probably about as my speed, a nice paddling pool. Jack would like it a lot if you went down to the river. Yes, he would. He loves it down there. All the more reason for you to come back, Sam. Indeed. And who are we introducing today? Today we have got one of my most favourite people in our community. I probably say that a lot. I've got a lot of favourites in my community, but particularly Councillor Andrew Isles, who is also our Deputy Mayor on Pakatani District Council. Um, Andrew is has long been the one person on our council that I know I can ring whenever there's a problem in the community and he will actually do something about it. And I, I appreciate and value that so much. Um, someone who's devoted their their the the retirement part of his life and before that I think too Andrew you've been doing this a long while now eh mm, to actually yes. serving serving the community and not just the part that he was elected in but the whole of the Eastern Bay welcome Andrew and thank you for your service. Kia ora um, and um, hello to you too Sam. Uh, I just want to hit back or touch back a little bit on the comment that you made about Mawera heading to the river. That is one thing that our district is really blessed with. I mean, not only do we have a beautiful coastline and very safe beaches, we also have a multitude of rivers that intertwine throughout the whole district. I'm fortunate that I live out in Waimana, a rural settlement. We have a beautiful river, albeit it's called the Tauranga River, which flows from the Urawera right through into the town, joins up with the Whakatane and then heads out to the coastline. But not only do we have um, beautiful rivers and beaches, we're also the sunshine capital. And by the way, um, Ahopi Beach is one of the 10 beaches which is um, in the running to be hopefully declared the um, New Zealand's most favoured beach. We've already had that title once. So hopefully by the end of this month, we may have it for a second time. It's been five years since we've had the um, sunshine capital of New Zealand, but we've um, retained that title back. So um, bring on the um, handover of the trophies when the next time the mayor is in Wellington, um, hopefully she'll catch up with the mayor of Richmond and we'll have that trophy safely back <laughs> in our um, trophy. Sam's just been here with us, Andrew. And um, I actually, it's the second time he's been here. Last time he was here, I took him out to Taki Takiro, the big two-and-a-half-thousand-year-old Pūrere tree in Oportiki. <laughs> and we went sailing past the beach and didn't actually stop. And and then when he arrived, he said, Mawera, isn't your beach, like, in the top ten? And I haven't been there. And I said, oh, okay, so over the hill we go. <laughs> and it was a really busy day at the beach. There were probably actually maybe five other people there. I was horrified to see so many people on the beach. And and Sam got to go for a really nice walk. Yeah, it, it, it is a beautiful, picturesque, and it's a safe surfing beach as well. So... For those wanting to learn that um, side of the sport, yes, you couldn't ask for a safer beach. So, Andrew, I've been asking people how their bubble life was, but we've almost forgotten what bubble life was. So how was your holiday? How was your summer? 
Well, I think, as I said to you earlier, Sam, hopefully we have forgotten about bubble life, period. We don't want to even think or contemplate what could happen as a result of this um, positive case in the community up in Northland. Um, getting back to my holiday, I'm very much a home person. I'm very much of the land. You, you can give me every day out in the garden and I do not wane of the enjoyment of it. And I like to indulge on um, all the wrong types of food. So I quite often spend three hours at least every week pushing a mower around the lawn. So um, between mowing lawns, gardening, deadheading roses, watering, um, I'm in my element. So when you were in your bubble, it sounds as though you would have been quite in your happy place. Well, actually, I don't want to go into too much detail, but you're quite right. If it was a nice day, I'd be out in the garden, and if I knew I had a Zoom meeting at one o'clock or whatever, I might put a reasonable top on and come in and sit. As long as I didn't have to get up, I'd be fine. You didn't accidentally... tonight. <laughs> you didn't accidentally stand up and, and show off your boxes or your pyjamas? No, I know of an MP that did that, and um, I was not going to repeat that scenario. <laughs> so where are you? Me? I'm sitting in my office in my 1908 villa in what I call the CBD of Waimana. In other words, I live in the town now. I've been down here um, since I sold the farm. That would be now um, 14 years ago. Um I own this old villa between my shop and the service station, which I've owned since um, 2004. And um, yeah, prior to that, of course, I was on my large dairy farm up on Eagles Hill Road. But um, as I took on the commitment of the shop and the service station, then I got myself elected to council in 2004, along with other um, committees that I was involved in or organisations like the New Zealand Community Society, et cetera, et cetera, uh, the AMP Association, it was time to sort of scale things back. Scale things back by being really busy by the sounds of it. Well, it's amazing. Um, yes, at that point in time, I was running two farms. I had a large garden, which I had open to the public for about eight months of the year. Um, and I did admittingly have staff, so it did make life a little bit easier. But you're right, when you reflect back on what you did and to what you're doing now, the only difference, of course, is that I'm getting a lot older and you quite often reflect on how the hell did you get through what you did get through in those days. But anyway, I live to tell the tale and I'm still passionate in the work that I'm doing and um, long may that continue. As long as the community and the district communities as a large need me, I'm here. You said you got yourself elected as if, as if it was an accident. No, it wasn't an accident. Um, if I can give you a little bit of history on it, Back in 1999, I was involved in a public meeting to reform a group that had been disestablished, um, which was the um, Keep Fokotani Beautiful Committee, had been disestablished by the then Mayor Colin Hammond. I went along in support of the um, garden coordinator, Betty Lyon, and other interested people to see if there was sufficient interest within our communities to um, reinstate a committee along those lines. Among the other people that attended was um, the late George Johnson, who was to become a councillor a little bit later after a, in a by-election. So long and short of it was there was sufficient public interest. I went along to Mayor Hammond and said that there was the interest. He said, right, we'll give you a budget. You can draw up a mission statement and um, give me um, a, a, a brief overview of what the, the intentions of this committee is, which was A, to run a garden competition, B, um, beautification programs, rubbish abatement, um, graffiti removal, and any other social um, environmental issues that um, our, uh, our committee and um, our communities at a large would um, throw at us. That was formed in 2000, and it's... I've just served, or I'm just about, well, I have served, I am serving now my 21st year as chair of that committee. As a result of that, I was spending a bit of time in and around council. I was getting a little bit of an appreciation of what went on um, in the councillor's world beyond what I was doing and through an ad hoc committee, which was, of course, or and still is, um, funded by um, rate or with ratepayers' money. I guess. Towards 2000, and 
four elections, I went to the mayor and said, if I was to consider standing, what sort of um, work would it entail? And I, he gave me a throwaway remark, like almost seven or eight hours a week. Well, um, I thought, <laughs> okay, okay, I can fit that into my um, already quite busy schedule. Long story short was I got myself elected um, seven or eight hours a week was an absolute, it, it was not even, um, no, you, you wouldn't even contemplate those sort of hours back then. What it did enable me to do, though, was to get elected and at the same time sit back, listen and get to understand the working structure and the meanings of being an elected member. Not only were you elected by your community, you were there to serve all the communities across the whole of the district. And... Um, that was something that um, I really cherished because, as I said to you earlier, I when I first bought the big dairy farm in 1986, I was um, fortunate enough to have the support of my parents to go guarantor. I also um, had a, lend, a loan from the Rural Bank. You may also recall back in 86, 87, the interest rates started to go through the roof. It really meant that I could do nothing more than stay on the farm. And if it meant staying on the farm, it was then that I turned to my other love, which was gardening. So I developed, I, as you entered my property, I had about a two-acre gully, which was basically just growing blackberry. And over the period of time, we converted that um, two-acre basin into a landscape garden. And that is what I said I shared with the people for many, many years. It was being and seeing what I could give to the people then and how much they appreciated it. I thought, look, this is a community, Waimana in particular, which I'd had a connection with since about 1961. And um, I lived, worked and played, whether it be um, through judging horses, which is another one of my passions, instructing at the Pony Club, um, getting involved with the AMP show, the gardens, etc., and living, working and playing within the, uh, my community. So I thought it was uh, about time that I actually stood up and, um, yeah, contributed towards um, hopefully making it a um, better place. And at the same time, um, as I said, um, working and mixing with other people with other interests. Let's take the first of your music choices. Let's have Coldplay's Paradise. She 
It must have been a big wrench moving off the farm, leaving the flowers behind. Or did you did you walk uh, off with a big bunch under your arm? No, no. I, as I said, I had also been um, president of the New Zealand Camellia Society. I had over 350 camellias growing in my garden. I'd won the national title in 95 and had a runner-up on a couple of other occasions. But it had got to a stage um, where I couldn't give it the justice that it deserved. Um, I think everyone knows that in this part of the world, um, plants seem to outgrow their positions in a matter of what feels like <laughs> moments. It, it is, yes, I know. But the garden had got to such a stage where I, it was hard for me to manage. Um, and as I said, I had other interests coming on um, and I decided, no, I thought it was the opportune time to move away down into this bungalow, which I'd had rented um, for so many years. And I started mowing the lawns on a flat section. I thought, man, this is the life. This will do me. <laughs> so, um, yeah, a few renovations for the 1908 villa. And I came down here and I was damn adamant that there was not going to be the extensive or expansive gardens that I'd had at the farm. Um, but I might say 10 years later, it's it's here. There's everything that I love planted in and around me, not only in my section, but on the section behind my store. I also have a little um, furry at the back of that. There's gardens there to the right behind the um, service station. I've got a bit of a paddock and a bit of an orchard and um, it's there as well. So um, nothing's really changed, just the location. But I'm still within the community that I really, dearly love. So how is the community doing? Well... The question that Marlborough asked, how is the community? I, again, as we set about um, resetting our vision and our long-term plan, I said to our councillors, we're not a community, we're a multitude of communities. So I refer to them as community. And, of course, um, the communities, we're a very, very diverse um, district. Um, by that, I mean that 48% um, of our population um, connect to Māori and balance being Pākehā, and we've got an increasing um, other ethnic origins and nationalities within our district. We've also got seven iwi and over 100 hapa. So um, in a population of 37,500 growing, we are very diverse. Okay, we do have areas predominantly rural, high deprivation and high rates of unemployment. That, again, not only pertaining to the rural and the outlying rural settlements, but the Apoka, the Nubin Pokatani, which can relate and can connect with exactly what I'm saying. We have high rates of unemployment. We have um, very diverse district geographic from coastal and densely populated urban, rich agricultural pockets of horticulture, agriculture and forestry. Um, Getting back to the question you asked, uh, my, my my community, Waimana, and the surrounding towns of um, Matahi, Nukaho North, Rautauki, Taniatua, and my ward extends around to Wainui, so why, around to the oyster farm, if you know of. So I've got a great mix of coastal through to um, rural, um, also got pockets of high deprivation and um, a mix of agriculture, horticulture and forestry blocks. So I really cover all the gambits, plus also being more inland, we don't experience the same tropical climate through the summer or winter month that they do on urban Fokatani. Having said that, I heard Moa Rasa, I think she said it was 30 degrees in Fokatani today. It was that when I got back here today. So, And we look as if we're in for more tomorrow. So, you know, in, in the winter or in the summer, I should say, we certainly have days where we intense heat. And did the did the lockdown prompt any sort of community responses that that, that you, you saw as as the, the councillor for those areas? Uh, well, again, you know, this again is where Maridum comes to the fore. In so many instances, um, the Waimanakaku, um representatives of um, various hapu um, all bandied together. Again, like in situations where we have floods and what have you, so often it's the um, rallying around of the communities. And of course, in this day and age with mobile phone, we can all stay in contact with one another. And um, yes, they were absolutely fantastic. Again, through um, one of our leaders, he managed to source um, great quantities of pork. And we were having um, weekly distributions of um, pork roast, pork sausages, pickled pork or um, whatever, but there was a continual um, supply of food coming through. Um, COVID testing was also um, being implemented out here in the rural sector. Uh, again, uh, a lot of our locals feared of travelling into Fokatani, um, fearing the worst. So we stuck as much as possible um, to home here.
Bubble Sprite of the Forest of Orokanui, Dunedin's favourite goddess, Tahu Mackenzie. Kia ora koutou, nā mahi aroha nui, kia koutou, koutou, hoho. all having the best day, beautiful superstars, and your beloved universes. So excited to have my second show for 2021 with you all. These five minutes each day just help me immeasurably, and I have really missed them over our time apart. So I hope that for you, the time that we have been together on one level, but apart in this space, has been really, really beneficial, positive for you. Of course, as we are all launching back into our routines for 2021, I, of course, am doing my best to find balance. And, of course, one of the important aspects of this for me, and I hope for some of you as well, is engaging with the living world and really appreciating, on a level beyond thought, the benefits of that connection. For me, the ocean, the sea, Te Moana, that beautiful, beautiful, endless, stunning environment that I'm sure we all just really enjoy melting into when we gaze out. And the horizon is melting into the sky and we have that sense of the infinite, we have that eternal. And we can hear that breath, that breath of the sea that comes in as each wave moves towards the shore. And for me, I find that when I'm tuning into that beautiful song of the sea, the breath of the sea, that really helps me to move beyond my thinking mind and return to that stillness. And I find this really helpful for grounding me and centering me for my day. So heading to the beach in the morning, such a pleasure and privilege to be able to do this and go for a wee paddle, have a wee frolic about. Here in Aotearoa, Stunita, it's supposed to be 31 degrees today. It was very exciting, so I thought I'll head to the beach and immerse myself and paddle about before it comes filled with lots of other people wanting to do the same thing. And something else that I'm really enjoying in terms of regaining my sense of balance as I return to my working routines is having that sense of presence and engagement with the present moment. And in that way, again, moving beyond the constraints of the thinking mind and allowing myself to appreciate the opportunities and the fateful happenings that the universe is constantly providing. Seeing these moments of beauty and connection and relationship to take place around us at all times and living in such a vibrant and supportive community I feel so lucky that wonderful people, fellow human animals, are often directed my way thanks to the beneficent universe. And so walking this morning, paddling about in the water, I saw this beautiful large black dog frolicking about. I started to take some photos and really admire this beautiful dog. And then of course the ice dog turned out to this lovely lady that I've been sweating alongside at beloved bar base and we walked down the beach together just had this wonderful adventure and it was really wonderful and from talking with her there are a couple of things that I wanted to share with you one was that she had an apple watch and the apple watch told her when her heart rate was getting over a certain point as in she was stressed could tell this and then it encouraged her to meditate for one minute and breathe alongside her And I thought, wow, what a fantastic technology that we have available to us now. And I would really like to take that model and build it into my own conscious practice. So not that I need to go and buy an Apple Watch, but that I can be my own Apple Watch. And I'm going to attempt to do that now if I notice my stress levels rising, my own Apple Watch, and calm myself down. And the other thing that she said to me was that she has a quote every month that she puts a wall for her and her partner. And her quote this month, what's stopping you? I thought was a really interesting one to ponder on. And when I returned to my car, and this is the sort of thing I really love, I returned to my car, I saw glittering and glimmering on the ground a little jewel. And I looked down, it was a little charm which had on it the symbol for balance, some beautiful scales in balance. So I really hope for you that you have a wonderful day, finding lots of new ways for the new year to support yourselves, and I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Thanks so much. Kakite. You're listening to Blowing Bubbles with Talking with Andrew Isles. Andrew, we've seen lots of societal changes over the last, goodness, almost year. What do you think will stick, and what do you hope will stick? Well, 
again, um, just referencing back to this possible um, community outbreak in Northland, um, sort of proves that as much and all as we'd like to be scanning our um, phones over our COVID, we tend to all of us quite quickly revert back to old habit. Again, during lockdown, we saw that the streets, urban streets in particular in Fokatani, were um, free of cars and you, and there was a great push by a sector of the community to um, promote pedestrian um, access and bike ex- uh, through our urban streets and also into our um, CBD area of Fokatani. More recently, we've been um, doing a, uh, or we're trying, we're in the process of doing an upgrade of the Fokatani town centre. Part of that process could mean that we could lose some of our car park at the um, Kakaroa Road um, car park. When we call for submission, the amazed, it was amazing the amount of um, people admittingly many retailers who did not want to see one of those car parks go. So, as I say, during COVID, we were all seeing the praises of no vehicles on the road, etc. Et this is the way of the future. To me, it wasn't the way of the future if you lived in a rural pocket like we do out here. You still had to get from here into the town. And um, as nice and all as it may have been for the urbanites, it is not something that's practical long-term for the rural sector. You can say, yes, but what about public transport? Public transport um, via buses or possibly even minivans um, would be funded through regional council is something we're looking at. But again, it would come in the form of a targeted rate. So again, it would be impacting um, those committees, uh, those communities which are less able to uh, afford it. But I guess long term, we've got to be a little bit... Um, Foresight seeing um, fossil fuels, they say, are on the way out. Um, having said that, I think it was 10 years ago we were going to see driverless cars. I'm still waiting to see driverless cars, for example. But be as it may, there's still um, something that we've got to consider for our residents in our outlying um, rural set. We can't all live in urban Fokotana, as simple as that. It's interesting, isn't it, how you're talking about having those multiple communities and how you're trying to, I don't know what the goal is, maximise well-being for everybody. And you don't have that many levers to pull, but it's a really complicated system, isn't it? It is. It is. And it can be seen to be uh, by some to be unfair or unbalanced. Um, when you see, again, that um, the work that we're proposing, which a lot of it... Um, outside of, say, the long-term plan, but a lot of the initiatives or improvement you are seeing basically centred at Fokotani um, or, or Fokotani Urban. One of those projects, of course, is the bike harbour, which we um, are intending to get underway hopefully next month. And again, the point I make to our communities is that we will be providing work opportunities in the form of boat building yards. The boat builders then require um, engineers, um, welders, um, upholsterers, you name it. I believe the course at Avenue Rangi for next year or for this year now is already filtered past for those that un- un- wanting to undertake places in that course. So there is a spin-off for the outlying town that, yes, the big infrastructure upgrade or build would be in Fokotani. But if it's going to benefit and keep our lo- younger people back here in the Fokotani, just I'm all for it. You're talking about how there are some areas of deprivation, both in the town and in the rural areas. What do you think is the role of a a positive vision, maintaining that positive view of the future? I think I've touched on one of them already, Sam, and that is to provide employment. Um, uh, the boat harbour is just one ask. You'd also appreciate that as a re- result of Fakari and COVID, our town or our district as a whole is being decimated in the tourism and in the um, hospitality um, sector. That, I'm pleased to say, since Christmas seems to have really turned around. We've basically seen visitors, um, accommodation has been at a premium, um, cafes have been run off their feet, we've got um, Havana, a new restaurant that's opened, we've got um, Thornton uh, Road Eatery, which is a reconfigured restaurant that's now reopened and it seems to be filled to capacity most days. We've got the um, the water slide out at Ahopi, um, we've got a, a lot going um, but I guess I'm not really quite answering the question you've asked of me, is it? And that's what is going to keep the people here. Is that what you really wanted? Um, no, just I suppose it's the, the role of that vision that you 
you have a vision of a of a thriving future is that the role of the council is that the role of the councillors or is it you know how do you maintain that and not get let's say distracted not quite the word i'm looking for but by the the the, the rubbish and and the and the sewerage because those things need doing and need looking after but you still got to have that view of that thriving future that's right. Now, I quite agree with you. And I mean, you know, a thriving community is what we all aspire to um, have. It's a matter, I, I guess, again, um, we're a district, again, that's been impacted in the years since I've been on council with major disasters, you know, more recently, of course, Fakari, but before that, we had the uh, Matatar disaster. Before that, we've had flooding in Edgecombe. Um, we're, we're hit for ever in a day. We've still got to fund a lot of those um, repairs. So we can have a vision and we can have um, our thoughts focused on making it a better and more prosperous district. But there's times when things do come unhinged and we've got to reassess things. Um, it's not only frustrating for the resident ratepayers, but it's also frustrating councillors. I remember uh, under a previous government not so many years ago that the the well-being component of council was taken away. And I remember this this grand um, demand came from on high that said you will focus on drains and waterways and infrastructure and you will not busy yourself with pensioner housing and well-being in the community. Mm. And, and it was really sad to watch everything sort of break down in the community even though Fakatani District Council held on um, for all it was worth, I think, to still be that engaged organisation um, and probably didn't let go of a lot of the things that were supposed to, um, the, it was obvious to see the change. And then it was so good when the new government came in and gave that mandate back. Reinstated the four well-beings. You're quite right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that's something that... Um Housing's a, a bit of a thorny issue. I mean, at that point in time, the government had withdrawn any funding that we could apply for. So housing or pensioner housing or social housing really got out of our grasp. Um, there certainly is a need. There is certainly a need for um, lower cost homes. There's certainly a need that we are still um, pro progressing with is to get land suitable for residential development. There's certainly a need, um, as I said, to lift um, unemployment. And yeah, it, it really is a work in progress. And people have probably heard say so many times, yes, I know what you're saying, but where's the bloody results? I wish it was that easy. The work that I'm doing on my doctorate uh, is focused on imagination, Andrew, and it strikes me that a lot of the problems that our community faces require a really good lot of imagining. Is that one of your strengths? Yes, it is. Yes, most definitely it is. Um, Again, imagination comes with a cost. So again, it is again getting out there uh, or having those discussions around a council table, table again and just trying to pinpoint what is realistic and what is um, beyond our means. We've only got a certain limited budget play with each year. We've got to try and prioritise um, where our money goes. You're aware of some of the big issues that are, are, are confronting this district, especially around the three waters. Um, we could spend millions on that um, infrastructure issue alone, however. Do you, do, you, do you consciously say we, we could spend all this money on the three waters, we could spend all the money and then some on the three waters, but you must say, no, we, we also want to spend... 10% or some number on making it a nice place to live. Yes, we, we do say that. And again, um, you know, we've got to weigh all these um, wants and needs up as to and prioritise. But at the same time, me and hopefully most councillors are also in the back of their mind thinking this is a cost and this cost, can it be afforded? And we've got to think not only for those on the um, in the high capital value properties, but for those in the lower valued property. Can they afford it? And every year we set a rate, we see an increase. And, you know, where do you start? Where do you end? We're having those discussions now as we're looking at the long-term plan. My thoughts are money's never been cheaper, will never be cheaper. 
Do we really bite the bullet and borrow more to get a lot of this infrastructure that's been, well, in the wings and which we've been aware of with regard to, you know, like effluent uh, or, or, or sewage ponds, for example, who, excuse me, we've got five of them that have got resource expiry dates of 2026. Yet, where are we at in um, addressing those issues and what sort of money are we talking? Well, I can tell you now, the money we'll be talking about could be in the vicinity of about 30 million. And those are some of the issues that central government know that at local governments and communities such as Fokotani District are going to have one hell of a job to be able to afford. So again, we're having talks um, with central government. We are hoping that um, there's going to be some sort of um, deal that we can broker, that we can um, sort of either get assistance from central government or they'll reassess um, their actual levels of service on us. It's a kind of magic. It's a kind of magic. A kind of magic. One dream, one soul, one prize, one goal. One golden glance of what should be to come back. One shaft of light that shows the way.
Andrew, I have some questions to end the show with. What is the biggest success you've had in the last couple of years? Biggest success, what, from me personally as a counsellor? Anything you like. Well, I mean, to me, it's been um, re-elected yet again to serve not only my community, but the whole district. This particular um, triennium, uh, I was fortunate enough to be elevated to the position of deputy mayor. Um, it's a relationship, or a good working relationship I'd have, I have had in the past with um, the now mayor, Judy Turner, um, especially for the last nine years. And um, I was rather proud that she should choose me, not only for the fact that... Um, it's the first time that the my Taniato Wyman Award have had a deputy mayor uh, in there for, but it's also, I feel, a bit of a, a lean towards um, my Maori Andy, and albeit, okay, I'm only an eighth Maori, but I do have strong um, affiliations to um, Ngāti Perot and Tiarawa. And I was also a staunch supporter and remain a staunch supporter of hopefully getting Māori awards across the line. This is a discussion that, again, we will be having within iwi because, again, there is a bit of a mixed um, feeling there of, by some iwi as to whether Māori wards are the way to Unless we have those discussions, we're not really going to. So that... Um, Success-wise, I managed to get equalisation of water across um, most of the district. There's a couple of small um, communities that aren't in the um, district-wide water rate, but for a little community like Wyman, for example, which has something like 40 households connected, it would have meant if we were out, out of paying our own our, um, water bill per annum would be well and truly over $1,200. Again, it's not sustainable by a small community. That's the point of being in the bigger district councils, isn't Basically. it, that, that that gets spread out? But that's, yes, that's, yes, that's why we yeah, form those yeah. sorts of collectives. My biggest regret is um, when I came on council, there was always a hue and cry from our local residents that lived on the roads. They wanted a road seal. Reality is, again, when you start looking um, cost-benefit ratio, unless we can get a partnership um, with um, residents on a road and look at some sort of um, cost-sharing scheme, each year, as I said, we've got something else that comes to the fore. And as I say, at this point in time, the three waters is the biggie. And it's something that, um, you know, we can't relent on. Um, drinking water, we've seen the issues down in Havelock. We've got to make sure that we maintain our standards here. Health department ensure that we maintain standards. So um, there's a lot I'd love to see done. But again... I think, again, the communities are realistic. I also um, am adamant that I want to maintain the same levels of service across the district. When we start talking around the table of cost-cutting measures, the question is always asked, well, you know, where can we or what services can we cut? And in the past, I've had to say, oh, we could always reduce the rubbish collection, say, for example, in rural um, communities. No way, Jose. I'm not having a bar of that. So it's little things like like that just go on in the background um, that you know you just chip away at and um, hopefully then get your numbers um, amongst your count supporters to make sure that, that something like that doesn't eventuate. What is your superpower? What is my superpower? Yep. Empathy. Will that do? It's I've always considered myself um, yeah, friendly, open and um, yeah, empathetic. Do you consider yourself to be an activist? Depending what the cause is, yes. I consider myself to be an activist, an environmentalist. Um, so what motivates you? Yeah. What gets you what out of bed in the morning? Um, the fact that I've had a damn good night's sleep, um, that I've rested my brain, hopefully, and I'm ready to face the challenge of, of, of another day. And as I say, and I think you touched on, I heard the word mentioned right at the very beginning of this um, recording, paradise. We live in paradise. This is perfect paradise. And as I say, I've been connected to it since the early six, and um, I, I, there's no other place I would rather be than um, the Fokotani district. So what's the biggest challenge or opportunity you're looking forward to in the next year or so? I, I guess, you know, we've got so much on our plate now. We've got um, PGF funding um, that we've got. We've got um, the Kia Kaha program that we've actually completed. Um, we're doing the upgrade on the uh, commercial wharf. Um, we've just opened the, the new extension to the escape 
park in town. We've completed the um, the remediation work over at Porter Hopi. We've done the sail covering of the outdoor pool. Um, there's a lot of work and pro a, a lot that um, people possibly take for granted or think, well, that's what council should be doing anyway. But again, um, getting the funding streams, the subsidies and what have you to get a lot of these projects completed, um, yeah, is something that, um, you know, I, I think we can be proud of both from a a, a, a councillor's perspective and also from um, staff. And lastly, do you have any advice for our listeners? Well, I, I think, you know, I, as a young fella, was um, very much involved in horses. I competed on horses. Unfortunately, at the age of 20, I had been suffering from epilepsy from the age of 14, and I met with a near-fatal accident when I fell over an open fire on a 10-acre block that I owned. And as a result of that, I lost a hand. Now, you could say that I went from um, an ability to a disability, but a disability, again, is only what you make of it. I then went on from there to um, successfully get a loan from Rural Bank and milk um, 220-odd cows for over 20 years. It's a matter of applying yourself. So I guess my message is that um, don't let anything stand in your way. If you really want something, you've got the guts and the determination to get out there and get it, you go for it, you know. It doesn't matter. Um, yeah, basically, a disability is only what you want to make of. And I'm not playing down the fact that there are people with severe disability. I also sit on the um, disability um, DRC um, board in town. So um, I witness a lot of what goes on there as well, disabilities people have and over. So um, hats off to people with um, those disabilities that they can overcome and make and create something meaningful in their community and um, in their lives. Thank you very much for that. That's seriously good advice. Moira. Andrew, um, I'm the person that people come to when they have a problem that needs solving and you're the person I go to when I have a problem that needs solving. So we're like the A team. <laughs> and yeah. I, I appreciate you so much and um, I'm eternally grateful for all of the good that you do in our community without the need for song and dance. You just get on and do it and mm. I really appreciate that and thank you everything thanks for talking to us tonight no you're very welcome Malwara. and i mean i again to i acknowledge your uh, you know you a brave woman and you've recently put yourself through a lot of personal hardship and you've come out the other side smiling you and your young son jack so hats off to you and again you proved the point that i really made in my very last comments you know whether it be a physical mental or personal or whatever disability you can overcome it but having said that too you've got to have the right mindset and there's so many people unfortunately aren't in that space so for them I really do have genuine
You've been listening to Blowing Bubbles, positive conversations with people in their bubbles, their safe spaces around the world. Brought to you by the Sustainable Lens Team, which is brought to you by Otago Polytechnic. We broadcast on Otago Access Radio every weekday afternoon at 3 and streamed and podcast on oar.org.nz. You can find us on Facebook and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We had a contribution today from Tahu McKenzie. This is The Kinks, Sunny Afternoon. I'm Samuel Manazoy's Bay Dunedin with Mawira Karatai in Fukutani and in Waimana, Andrew Isles. We hope you enjoyed the show. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.